Welcome to Carrots and Suffering. I am Nate, your Dungeon Master and Cat Enthusiast. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review. Let's get into it. Last time on Carrots and Suffering. Our character has got a good description of the Gullwing Bandit from survivors of his last attack that had left a guard dead. And behind us is this six-foot-tall dude. He's got leather armor, he's got a bandana over his face, he's got a big floppy hat like a friggin' pirate. <laughs> And he's got a beautiful bow with this, like, silver arrow. Boulain rolled a one on stealth and got herself arrested after failing to talk her way out of breaking and entering. <laughs> and you turn, and there's two city guard who apparently watched you crawl through a window. Um, this is great. <laughs> she inside or outside? She's inside. She's inside. Quick, down the trap door! <laughs> oh god, what does she do? <laughs> Creedon and Zira split up to investigate different characters in town while Boulain was in jail. Oh, actually, I was I was hoping I could uh, I could take you out for a drink at the inn. Don't seem that interested in this. What uh, What's the story there? You've been just looking at it too long? Before getting let out of the prison, Boulain meets in an enterprising detective that gives her the rundown on the town's corrupt past and present. So the lock operators are basically the Thieves' Guild, have been for about 100 years. They run a protection racket, and they steal from anybody who doesn't pay the fee. Almost everybody pays the fee these days, because Chester's in on it now, too. Creedon gets a warning from her warlock patron about the otherworldly powers of the Gullwing Bandit. We needed to finish my dream sequence. I was asking if it was safe for me to put my headset back on. Oh, oh, yes, oh, you, oh you, did, you didn't want to hear that. Okay. I mean, no, that makes a lot of I heard, sense. I heard too much. And I was you're, like, I'm out. You're here too much. <laughs> you cannot know my dark secrets. Mm -hmm. Your sunshiny secrets. I must do my dark bidding on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's somehow worse. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's get into it. To bring us back in, it's morning. Boulain is up early because she only slept for four hours. So you all come down. If you come down to the bottom part of the inn, she is awake with her veil hanging in front of her face and she is sipping coffee. Morning. Good morning. Did you sleep well without a barracks? Not as well as could have been, but that's all right. I will survive. Oh, did you make enough for two? She pours a second cup and slides the mug across the table. Thanks. I'll take a portion as well. There you go. So I would like to head to Birdie's this morning first. All right. And see, because that's the only stone we haven't even looked at. Agreed. Great. So when we're all ready? If we find Bardish in a bit, it might be useful for Creedon to use her status, her mother's status. I mean, we have status too. Ish. We have a writ to do what we're doing. I am saying that who Creedon is might impress him enough to say something he mm. didn't say to me. All right. I don't love throwing that around, but I do have my signet ring, and I can flash it when needed. You folks head over to Birdie's. Birdie's is just opening up. It's a small curio shop. It has a couple of sort of carts out front with various things, and there's a, you know, chubby, heavyset man out front trying to shout people into his curio shop. 
Come on in. See what I've got. All the finest things. And things that are not so fine. Every single one at a discount. What have you got, my friend? Oh, come in, come in. What are you interested in? I have pieces of art. I have trade goods. All sorts of delights. Hmm. What's come in recently? Anything new? Ah, well, let's see. Uh, how... How discerning are your tastes? It's an interesting question. I don't know yet. I've never really been uh, accustomed to the finer things. We'll start at the smaller end and we'll work our way up. You tell me when it gets to be too exciting. But uh, let me show you. Let me show you the bottom. <laughs> and he turns around and kind of gestures to a row of God. What are they called? The little they're ceramic. Chachkis. Pendants uh, that usually have like a face cameos. on oh, them. Cameo. I was actually cameos. going to ask if yes. he had any cool cameos. So this is <laughs> several cameos, and some of them are silver, and some of them are gold, and some of them appear to be some form of just steel wrapped around a cameo. But he does several, like a whole pile of them. Basically, says this is where I keep most of the jewelry. Now going up from here, I have, and he turns around and, and points at an axe. This is the axe of Grand Axial Bar Stand. And that came in recently? Grand Axial died, battling the Gullwing Bandit. Oh, oh, is this the guard's axe? Yes, well, he's more than a guard, he was practically a hero. How did you obtain such a fine item? Well, of course, his associates uh, were looking to sell off some of his things, send the money back home, and I, uh... Items with a good story fetch a good price. Can I roll? I don't even know if I need to roll insight. <laughs> it's an axe. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Too bad of a lie. I don't even need to. He turns around and says, ah, but if you are interested in something very discerning, this came in last week. And he picks up a small little chest and he pops it open. And inside is this intricate little sort of miniature set of a, a set of unicorns pulling a carriage. And the unicorns appear to be carved out of some sort of marble, and the carriage wheels are gold. Beautifully done. Completely impractical. And he says, I have this fine piece of art here. That is amazing. What is the origin? Do you know the culture of origin for this art? It doesn't look agastrian, does it? No, it's not, actually. It came from across the ocean. Let me tell you this tale of the Empire of... And he, he pauses for a second and says, Tripoli! You don't need to roll insight. He is now making up a story about uh -huh. this actually nice piece of art, yeah. but none of the story is true. You say this came in a week ago. Yes, yes, it did. I had been given to understand that all of the trade vessels had been locked up here with all of their goods in warehouses for several weeks. Oh, no, no. People have been trying to make the trip all the time, and they lose stuff all the time. But, you know, they've been hanging out recently. I haven't seen anybody go through in a couple of days. Although, here's the little bit of rumor. Someone's setting up a barge right now. They, I think they're going to head through before noon. Is that oh. so? Mm-hmm. The, uh, the lock operators guild spent all night loading it out of the warehouse. How much for the, 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 the unicorn set? Oh, yes. <laughs> 85 gold. What? That's that's ridiculous. Oh, I can assure you it's not ridiculous at all. A piece like this would sell for 200 in the capital. Uh, do I <laughs> you think can roll this... inside okay. if you would like to. Uh... 
Oh no, uh, six. Um, you do actually think it would probably sell Seems for more legit. than eighty-five gold in the capital. You have no idea what. I mean, he says two hundred. Oh, unfortunate. It reminds me of something I had as a girl. Things like this are great. And he turns around and pulls out just a box and sets it down. And it's it's a wooden crate and it's full of like combs, hand mirrors, brushes, nail scissors, like beauty products. And he kind of flips it up and says, now in here, here's a fine comb of jade. Another one made of some sort of slate, maybe uh, several highly done wooden ones. Um, could I interest you in a comb? A brush, perhaps? I believe this one is horsehair. Oh, I don't use those anymore. I have magic. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Okay, yes, all right. That's that's good. Uh, magic's valuable. Do you have any magic? How much for the brush? And how much for the brush? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm afraid I don't have any magic, but the, the brush will run you three gold. Three gold? What is, what is it made of that it is worth three gold, other than horsehair? Well, he flips it around and shows you that it's decorated really prettily. It's carved and stained. And he says, obviously, it's it's beautiful. I will give you one gold for it. Oh, you drive a terribly hard bargain. Um, Two gold. Two gold. One gold and two silver. Oh, oh I'm I'm practically giving this to you. All, all right, all right, fine. Okay, she, one gold and two silver it is. She will pony up. <laughs> all right, you have a beautiful hairbrush. So this piece from Tripoli... Yeah, yeah. It sounds like such a such a distant and exotic land. How did you come by it? Oh, you know, sometimes when trade caravans arrive, you know, things get sort of damaged, and I I take them off their hands and fix them up. One of the wheels had fallen off, I think, and that, you know, was enough that they didn't think that it was worth taking it up the trip. But I have fixed it, and, and you'll notice, and he kind of picks it up and spins the little golden wheels. Perfect condition. That I will insight. Okay. That is a seven, so a score of nine. So, looks good. You're skeptical, but there's really nothing giving it away. Like, you can't poke any holes in this story. I got a 19. <laughs> On investigation or insight? Insight. So, insight. You don't believe a word of this story. Sure. There probably is no place called Tripoli. You suspect this man probably couldn't fix this thing. It's too small and too intricate. You don't see any tools around that could get the job done it, there's no reason to believe anything he has said right okay he, i think she just she, she's got her veil covering her face so she just stands very still and watches the entire exchange well it is a fine piece and i i do enjoy the artistry of it but as you said it is too exciting for me mm, mm. well sometimes things are too exciting but should you come across a a delightful quantity of cash by all means come back i have things for all purses <laughs> i do not doubt that you do i will i'm sure i will see you again bertie i'm assuming you are bertie i am yes bertie bertie excuse me of the curio shop is that is that the name of the establishment is the curio shop it's Bertie's Curios. Ah, all right. Uh, well, thank you. This is a fine establishment. I'm sure I will return. Come by any time. I buy, I sell, I trade. All of the things that you might be interested in. And, uh, you know, don't ask too many questions. <laughs> Wink. I will, uh, as I'm leaving, go ahead and, and give a, a once-over on the shop uh, using Investigate to just see if I can spot a trap door or other kind of hidden door. 
Okay. Nope, that's a one. You you give it a look over. It is full of the kind of goods that would be going up and down this river. Hmm. There is a back door, and there is a cash box, but that is pretty much the only interesting things you can pick out. All right. And I leave. As you are walking out, you see three guards walking towards you. Boulain, you recognize Khan Bardish. Yeah. Headed in your direction. Uh, she nods She nods her head once at him and says, Bardisha, good morning to you. Yes, good morning, Boulaine. And these are your associates, the rest of the Dark Arbiters, yeah. right? I introduce to you Creedon and Zerus. Oh, nice to meet you both. I don't suppose you people are uh, giving old Birdie any trouble here, right? He's, he's a good guy. On the contrary, I bought a brush from him. Oh, good, good. Yeah, no, his goods are top-notch. I will, and like as you saw him approaching, and I assume you know Blue and Blue and said something. I slip on my signet ring and like you know reach out to to like do do the little handshake thing, but attempt to like flash it. He will look at it. He will roll his knowledge history, and he will stop and say, "Oh my, I, uh, you're a you're a rather um." Big name in in the Church of Divine Mercy. I don't believe I've met you, Creedon. I don't think I've heard of a Creedon. Oh well, you uh, you may you may have uh, heard of Samantha Brightwind. That's that's me. Oh oh my! Uh, I I didn't realize I was in such esteemed company. Hold on, hold on, hold on. And he sort of straightens the piece of armor he's wearing and does a big bow towards you. Khan Bardish is a, a, a tall, well-muscled kind of mid-twenties human. He doesn't look too bad, honestly. He's got paladin material written all over him. <clears throat> Flashes you a, a winning smile and says, how can I be of service to the Brightwinds? Does he have a like visible symbol of Brother Ambition? He does, yes. Uh, he has a clenched gauntlet holy symbol hanging from his neck. Well, well I... I uh, spoke with my companion Bloon here uh, last night, and it well, it sounds like uh, you are a very ambitious man. Yeah, how can I um, be of service? Maybe we speak alone. I want to get him away from the other cards. He says, uh, "Gentlemen, gentlemen, just check with Birdie. Make sure the the day's going normal, and uh, I'll I'll chat with uh, Madam Brightwind here." And they they nod and sort of shrug and walk in to talk to Birdie. Birdie seems thrilled that there's more people to talk to. Elaine says, I will walk away as I need to see to my hair. And she walks a little distance away and says quietly to Sadie, follow the other guards and see how they treat Bertie. Okay, so just to get that out of the way quickly, they, they treat Bertie like any guard checking on a random merchant. Okay. Uh, they don't seem to have any particular love for him. They're a little confused as to why they're doing this. Mm, okay, okay. They weren't, they weren't sent to work him over or butter him up or anything. Nope. Okay. Nope. All right. Okay. And she will undo her hair and start to brush it with her new brush. I will not excuse myself. <laughs> uh, well, with them out of the way, hey, I am, I am here to serve. What can I do for you? You could tell me a little bit more about yourself. You min I, I'm a little bit intrigued that you uh, were, were so forthcoming with my companion in, in the uh, jail cell last evening about well, about your ambitions. Uh, that, that seems a little unusual for somebody to t say to someone hired by, uh, well, their enemy, perhaps? Competition? 
Chester's not my enemy. Chester's definitely my competition, and he knows it. Brother ambition isn't about hiding your ambition. I wear it on my sleeve. I'm taking that man's job. And he knows this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, Chester's well aware that if he messes up, I'm going in. I'm going in for the job. Might be a little young right now, but I'm taking it. I'm going to get there. You know, I've come a long way. I was born in in a farm outside of Palmville, right? There's nothing out there. Look at me now. I've got armor, I've got a sword, I've got skills. I'm on the way up. That is very impressive. So, I'm interested, Con. From what I've heard and what I've seen, this town is... Well, this town suffers from corruption at every level and every place. So, first question for me is... Are are you part of the problem? Khan gives you a little smirk and says, No, I personally think I'm the only one trying to uh, solve the problem. Frankly, I haven't been able to get Captain Mav to do his damn job because he's all convinced that, Oh, Chester's the best. He's so good for the community. Hundred years of law and order. It's crap. It's crap. Yeah, there may be law and order, but he does at least seem to have uh, fallen out of favor with his god, whereas I, I'm assuming that you are still in tune with yours? Of course. And honestly, Chester can still throw a little bit of magic around. Nothing like he used to be able to. And frankly, I'm pretty skeptical about it. I don't think Brother Ambition's going to let someone just sit on a fortune for a hundred years. I mean, come on. Come on. There's a there's a literally entire empire to the north. And he's going to rule Hylock? Hylock! Yes, he, he could uh, use some of the, those funds and some of that wealth that he has to uh, accomplish much greater things. I mean, I'm sure whatever, but like, he could have gotten himself a better position. He could be like the next Brightwind if he wanted to be. And he's just sitting here hanging out in a spa? So, if you're not part of the problem, I'm a little curious as to why you suggested that Bertie is a fine, upstanding person. Bertie? is a good friend of mine. He's also helping me fight the good fight. A little bit of information here and there. Bertie comes by more information than you would think. And one of these days, I'm going to catch that Kaima in the act of extorting somebody, and I'm going to arrest her, and there's going to be crap that Chester can do about it. So Kaima's extorting people? Yeah, that's like her whole job. Just to do what the, what the Badgers need? Here's the deal. You pay an ever-increasing toll... To get them to open the lock, the lock's paid for with tax dollars. There's no, they're all paid a salary. That toll is bullshit. You pay this toll, and Kaima doesn't break your legs and steal your shit. And what's Mary's sin? What isn't Mary's sin? She runs the whole damn operation. She's the bookkeeper. She pays the bribes directly to Chester. Why does Chester seem so nonchalant about this disruption to his operation? I, I mean, it, it is definitely a little bit odd if the money has stopped flowing. He, he doesn't seem very <laughs> concerned. Here's the thing. The money hasn't stopped flowing. Anybody who wants this problem solved takes a hefty pouch of gold over to Chester. He doesn't need this thing solved quickly. He just needs it solved eventually. And frankly, a couple weeks of him taking extra money from everybody to go solve this problem, he's rolling in dough. He doesn't care about this crap. I mean, another two or three months, he'd probably be out of money. But for now, he's he's fine. He's living the dream. Is there not pressure from the the other towns that need these trade goods? 
If he solves it today, the extra bribe money goes away. If he solves it three weeks from now, he's a hero. And the bribe money is possibly more than the money he would be collecting in tolls from actual trade happening? Yeah. Yeah, generally. Hmm. I mean, the tolls are steady income, but... I mean, these these merchants, you should see the stuff they bring in. They hand in the man a whole frickin' crate of perfumes. They'll throw anything at solving this problem. Is it mostly luxury goods that are that go along this trade route? Yes. Okay. It isn't like food, like critical food for villages or anything, or like medication. No, no, it's it's luxuries and spices from around the world. Okay, that changes things a little bit. It's how the Empire gets fancy shit that it doesn't make itself. Which is still incredibly important as a lover <laughs> of the finer things myself. And what about soft touch? What's... Oh, Miri? Oh, God, what? Look, I've, I've honestly, I've never even met Miri. But Miri's just Mary again to the south. <laughs> Christ, they even practically have the same name. They've got the same job. Just Miri's living in a crap hole instead of up here in Highlock. And Melbourne? Oh, God, he's the worst of all of them. He ran this sh whole thing for like 30, 40 years. Hmm. Yeah. Would he have a reason to shake things up? Here, here's the thing about Melbourne Gray Street. That man never lets anything get too stable. He's always shaking shit up. His whole life, he's just shaking shit up. I'm, he'd be thrilled, honestly. Thrilled to bits if the Thieves' Guild falls apart. But in the meantime, he's got a cush retirement. Huh. I, I guess my question is more to ask, is he past his prime? It depends on who you ask. If I had to say that there was one person in this town with the kind of power that Chester has, I'd tell you it was nobody. But if I thought about information, if I thought about getting people to do things, Melbourne's up there. He's like the number two in this town. Behind Chester. Yeah, behind Chester, but Melbourne's real good at hiding his ambitions. Plays his cards close to his chest. I can't tell if he wants Chester to succeed or fail, but I can tell you if it all goes tits up, he'll be thrilled. That's also odd for a man in retirement. Everyone in this town has very strange desires. Well, everybody's just out to make a buck, unless they're out to um, change the world. Those seem to be the two choices. This is about the point that Lane comes back rebraiding her hair, and she says, and are you changing the world, Bardish? I wouldn't be true to my god if I didn't try, but I'd be lying if I said I was being very successful right now. What would you like to see come of this whole thing? I mean, obviously you would love power, but... I mean, it's not power for power's sake here, Samantha. Here's the deal. I do prefer Creedon. <laughs> okay, Cre sorry, Creedon. I want to topple the Thieves' Guild. I want to make a name for myself. I want to prove a connection up to Chester, and I want to get Chester's ass booted back to the capital and sentenced to some kind of prison for all this bullshit he's been doing. And when that's done, I'm just going to take a step up. Captain Mav will probably become mayor, I'll become Captain Mav, and then there's just, you know, some old stodgy law and order guy between me and the top. 
here in Highlock. And frankly, if I can get out of Highlock, if I could turn that win, if I could be an investigator in Astragar, oh my god, that'd be amazing. <laughs> so how come you haven't caught the Gullwind Bandit yet and, you know, raised your status here a little bit by doing so? <laughs> Gull, Gullwing. Catching the Gullwing Bandit would raise my status with a kleptocracy with a thieves guild and that that bump on a log chester who cares about that so you are hoping he will succeed the gullwing bandit he's already succeeded this this place has been doing this shenanigan for a hundred years and it's stopped right now it's stopped but so has all the trade you know I don't really benefit from the trade, to tell you the truth. We are about to go and most likely get in contact with the Gullwing Bandit. Anything that you can tell us that would help prepare us better for that would be very good for us. It seems like everybody in this town has their secrets, and I suspect that you have more. What's your goal with the Gullwing Bandit? You gonna take him down? Send us right back into the whole protection racket? Taking him down isn't necessarily going to restore the status quo. We may do more than that. I have to say I am interested in solving many of the problems here. I'll tell you what. If you're really interested in solving many of the problems, I have a little challenge for you. Chester's got a museum full of shit. Just fancy gold paintings, tapestry. Just It's a literal museum. He doesn't let anybody in there. But in there is a porcelain hawk, painted black. If you could get me that porcelain hawk, it would benefit some friends of mine. If that friend of mine felt gracious towards you, perhaps he'd come and talk to you himself. And you wouldn't have to do whatever going you want to do. Maybe he'd come to you. Maybe he'd consider you an ally. I thought you were part of the solution, Bardish. I am. A part of the solution. I will be the solution. But what I can tell you right now is there's only one person stepping us anywhere near closer to that solution, and it's convenient for me that he keeps doing it. Here's my proposition. Let's change course. Let's stop what he's doing. Let's stop what the badgers are doing. Stop what the weasels are doing. And let's take this Lawless, backwards town, closer to civilization. Roll me persuasion. You have advantage. Oh, I would love to. Your argument aligns with this man's motives. Fourteen is my high roll. My high, my high score. All right. I like, I like the, I like the outline of this plan. But I don't believe right now that you have the chops to take down two guilds, Chester, and an armed revolutionary. So you make progress on any one of those things, and I'm on your side. Great. Don't work against me. I can agree to that. Regardless of what friends you may have. Can I roll insight on him? I want to know if he's lying. Sure. 15. You don't think he's lying. You think he is, he's playing in politics and he's not very good at it. Mm. You get the impression he's trying to play these sides against each other. And it's not working because he's not very good at it. And your group is offering him an option he hasn't had before. And he's interested but skeptical. Okay. And what 
what might we know about the porcelain? Is it a bird? Yeah, roll me knowledge history. I'd also like to try to do that, even though I'm not very studious. I'm not either, but I got a 14. Oh, nat 20, 22. No baby. shit. <laughs> wow, I have okay. learned all about black birds. A 14, it sounds like a bird statue. For it to be in Chester's museum and like made of porcelain, it would have to have a pretty great story behind it. With your nat 20, you've actually heard this story. The porcelain hawk is this enigma. Supposedly, a few hundred years ago, the king of Venrir had uh, crafted for a person who stopped an assassination a, a gift. And he made this golden hawk with gemmed eyes and just loaded this thing full of jewels and then had porcelain cast over it to hide its value for the for the trip. The, the knight was apparently killed in some sort of scuffle on the way home and the statue was lost and no one has seen it since. But according to Con Bardiche, Chester has it. I relay that. <laughs> right in, fr in front of Bardiche? Oh, well... No, I guess I won't relay that later, actually. <laughs> I think that's what I wanted to know. Look, Xeris, before we part ways today, I just want to let you guys know, I'm rooting for you. I really am. Let me know how I can help you, but I'm not yet willing to put all my eggs in your basket. As long as you remain civilized, I think your ambition has a friend. I have a request. Yeah? Okay, what is it? We are heading down with this dummy ship to see what the bandit is up to. I don't think this is a secret, dude. Like, <laughs> Everybody knows this ship is going out. I'm sure everybody's got an idea. Could you, in the meantime for the day, have certain people watched surreptitiously? Yeah, I could do that. Could you watch Melbourne, Mary, Miri, Birdie? Mary's a ways away. That's true. Oh, right. She's like way down, right? Okay. Yeah, she's in the South Lock. And Birdie. Okay. Birdie's not going anywhere. I, yeah, Birdie. Yep. But, no, I'm saying Birdie is on this. Chester is interesting, but Birdie is, Chester, is not yes, on Chester. Sorry. She's going to list basically everybody we're interested in. Uh, she says Melbourne, Kaima will be with us, Mary, Chester, Birdie, if he steps out of his shop for too long. Roll me insight, please. Oh, 23. Con Bardiche is doing some really complex math in his head really fast mm. here. You get the impression he he is torn. Mm. What you have proposed works both for him and against him in a big way. Mm. And he's he's trying to decide if he's going to support you here or not. And he's really struggling. She will lay a hand on his arm and say, of course, you only need to tell us if you see anything suspicious. I've, uh, I've done a lot of watching of all of these characters. And I can tell you pretty reliably what each one of them is going to do. All right. Mary isn't going to do anything. She's going to sit in the lock. And if Kaima's going with you, she's going to leave the lock and go with you. And that is odd. But Birdie has probably already done the damage in action that he's going to do. Which is? Telling just about everybody that that ship's heading out. He did do that. He did do that. Uh, Chester's not going to do a damn thing. He's going to sit at home in his spa with his perfumes and have a lovely day. Melbourne Gray Street, on the other hand, 
Well, someone took him out and got him real drunk, so I think he's going to sleep it off most of the morning, which means he's not going to do the usual thing he would do in this situation, which is hop in a fishing boat and get out ahead of you. Interesting. Mm. That's excellent news. We should leave soon. Uh, thank you, Bardish. Don't make me regret this information exchange, and uh, success in all your ventures. You climb ever higher. May the silent judge greet you with warm arms when the time comes. And Khan sort of nods as the two guards come out. And he says, let's go, guys. These guys are good. To the docks. To the lock. <laughs> so when you get to the lock, there's a boat that's all loaded. It's really convincing. You know there's nothing in the boxes, but people have spent all day pretending to lift really heavy crates that are only actually a little heavy, loading them onto this barred ship. And they look like they are ready to go. There's a crew of four folks that you saw in the lock operator shop yesterday. They are shockingly well-armed for engineers. One of them's at the tiller. One of them's kind of manning a paddle on one side. One's managing the front of the boat. They've got a whole system worked out. They're ready to pilot this thing for you. And in tow behind it are two small canoes. Each canoe can hold two people. And Kaima the Axe is standing on the ship waiting for you, along with four bodyguards who you met at the bar yesterday. Can we have a party huddle just to yeah. kind of discuss yep. our plan, strategy, and, and theories? Yes, we can. <laughs> yeah, we should. And I'm wondering if we are not going to run into anything. It is entirely possible we will not. It's, it's an interesting uh, experiment that I want to know. If we do or do not run into anything. If we do not run into anything, we might be able to use that to our advantage. If word gets out that a boat got through, all the merchants will be eager to set sail. Hmm. Yeah. That is true. So I think if we do not run into our bandit today, it will not be all for naught. If I can be in a boat with someone else who is rowing, I can send Sadie to scout the sky ahead. I think that's a good idea. I'm not particularly one to put myself in, in danger, but do we need somebody to look like a normal noble on the main barge or something? I am rather adept at disguising myself. Let's do that. That is a good idea. Okay, so Zerus and I will go in one boat. Kaima and one other guard will go in the other one. And you will go on the barge. Yes. I use my mask of many faces to <laughs> disguise myself as a... Uh, I'm just imagining like a pot-bellied woman with like a fancy red hat with a big feather in it and, and like way too many rings. <laughs> just think rich. <laughs> yeah, I, I am a haughty merchant. All right, you hop in the boat. You have a plan. Wait, do we really have a plan? What happens whenever, like, if Miss Do close in and something shows up? What is our plan exactly? The plan is we play jazz. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the mid-roll. Today's hot gaming tips, running a module. So, modules are written by other people, usually in a team, and they have a tremendous amount of work in them that shows talent and perseverance. They are incredible for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that they are stories without main characters, 
designed to appeal to a variety of people so wildly diverse they are essentially unpredictable. I love modules. I love the people who write them. Not only for the monumental difficulty of this task, but because the the passion to it is really impressive. Also, each page is like a little gift to the Dungeon Master, because every page has every bit as much thought in it as I put into a custom homebrew world. And here they are, just ready to go. Give me an hour. Let's roll some dice. Let's have some fun. However, sometimes modules are weird. They have high fantasy elements for one demographic, gritty realism for another, epic fights and tactical battles, roleplay scenes that are literally missing all of your characters. Challenges for dice and for the mind, lore for the people who escaped into fantasy books in their youth. Each element is designed for a theoretically and very different person. They're without a doubt inconsistent. Modules come with plot holes and assumptions that come out of nowhere, cameos from historic book characters you don't even know of. And then you have to roleplay those historic characters and they give you like two sentences of synopsis for their entire personality that came from like a whole series of books. Modules have the bones of a great story, but they have the bones of every kind of great story. It's a jumbled mess in places, and it needs to be cleaned up a bit. It's nothing that a well-placed fireball can't fix, as I always say, and as an added benefit, it means modules are very different in execution from one party and one dungeon master to the next, so you can get extra life out of these things. They are worth it, every dollar. There is still enough blank slate that you can add every bit as much personality and creativity that you would add to an entirely custom home world. But it's less work, frankly, for you, and there's a shared community experience with the rest of the people playing D&D when you run a module. So, how do you fix this incongruence? First, you want to read the whole module to get the outline and the themes and kind of the big steps you need to take in the course of the module. Then you throw in some character-specific elements, because you have those and the module doesn't. Then, just before each session, you look at what people are supposed to encounter, and why they're supposed to encounter it, and you ask the word why. I recommend doing this five times. You can probably get away with two, though, if you're in a hurry. Why is there a gargoyle? Why does the gargoyle care that the characters are in the church? What does he even want? You essentially give motivation to creatures that often have none, and seem kind of random as a result. You can adjust traps and riddles, uh, cinematic descriptions to match the fantasy level of the world you actually want to portray, and slowly you can kind of fix the chaos that's hidden in very beautiful words. And you purchase those beautiful words for a very reasonable price. Just remember, as you write, you are the character's biggest fan. And in the words of Poor Man's Poison, the devil that you forgot. All right, good luck, Dungeon Masters. All right, we're going to start off today by talking about level three. What did your character get for level three, and what was interesting about this experience? Let us start with Mandy. Okay, Bulane now has 24 hit points. I don't... She gained spell slots, and she now has some level two spells that she knows. And I picked Hold Person and Spiritual Weapon, and then there's two Grave Domain spells, Gentle Repose and Ray of Enfeeblement. Cool. Excellent. I think that's the gist of it. I don't think she got much else. Claire, what's new in Creedence repertoire? 
Well, I have 24 HP now, and I got my Pact Boon, and I took Pact of the Tome, where I could learn three cantrips from any list. I chose Guidance, Vicious Mockery, and Minor Illusion. And then I took Suggestion as my first second level spell. And that is it. Awesome. 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 And Robert? Well, I made a build mistake with the heavy armor that I've been using up till now. I didn't realize... I missed the sentence in the PHP that says... You don't gain rage benefits if you're using heavy armor. So Cheater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I dropped that, did a small tweak on the character. Instead of heavy armor expert, I chose skill expert, which gives me a strength point, which is what I got from heavy armor. Religion expertise and athletics as a skill, which is cool. And then for my class level three, I chose to go with Path of the Zealot, which right now gives me an additional d6 plus half barbarian level on damage rolls and a free raise dead spells so whenever you're raising me from the dead i no longer require material components of any form of raise dead spell which is pretty nice is that ability called meat shield (laughs) it's not it's it's called warrior of the gods which seems appropriate. I have no problem with the honest mistake that you made with the armor thing, but it's, it is funny that your character is the number one stickler to the rules and there is no excuse <laughs> for breaking the rules and you accidentally <laughs> broke one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, it was going to be a real hamstring going forward if, if I let that ride. Right. Oh, yeah. I had to choose a damage type, so I chose Radiant. I wish I could choose on the fly Necrotic or Radiant, but... Hmm. All right. Well, we'll stick with Radiant for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Radiant damage always works. That's true. Onward we go. The lock opens, and your boat, Bargeron, and the two canoes enter this lock space. The water level shifts and changes. Another door opens, and you are on the water. Your first day of travel. Let's see how lucky or unlucky you are with the power of a d20 roll, which I have rolled. The answer is middling. Mm. So it is not terribly sunny, but it's not terribly stormy. It's rainy and damp in a very Portland-esque way. (laughs) You're definitely traveling through a swamp. It's mildly unpleasant. It's a buggy. The bugs are out. (laughs) Boulain will send Sadie up and say, can you spy ahead for me? And then she will be looking through Sadie's eyes unless Zerus calls her attention back to where we are. Okay. So you spend the daylight hours getting down around this lazy river. Big river, very tame, nice slow-moving progress. How many days is it through the lock again? Two, generally speaking. And the Gullwing Rapids are right in the middle. So as it begins to be night, Kaima will approach Creton on the main barge and say, hey, so choices. We can keep going and we'll probably get to the Gullwing Rapids in the middle of the night, or we can anchor now and hit the Gullwing Rapids tomorrow morning. Would we take exhaustion if we do not rest? Nate would say you would take an exhaustion if you don't sleep for more than 24 hours, but that is not the scenario you will be in. But out of character, people have told us that they liked to do the rapids during the day, right? Oh, yeah. 
it didn't seem to help anyone either well, way. Well, no, but, but if there was no going bandit, the ideal thing would be to do the rapids during the day, correct? Well, if there was no going bandit, you wouldn't stop. You would just go. Oh, okay. You don't actually have to go down the rapids or through the rapids. You just go by where these rapids dump into the main lake. And that's where they've been coming out of. That's where they come out and retreat back into. Okay. I guess I will flag the party to canoe up by the side and discuss this with you. I assume that I have a few minutes to make this decision and can do that. <laughs> there's not like a waterfall and a, a fork in there. No, no, there's lots of time. It's a lazy river and dripping water and from the sky. Has Sadie seen anything all day? Sadie has not seen anything all day. Roll me a perception check, though, Boulain. 11. Yep. Hadn't seen anything all day. Okay. <laughs> I mean, gators. Mm. I think it would be wise to handle the rapids in the morning. Sounds good to me. I agree. The visibility would be better. The visibility will be better, and if that is the way that people have been trying to handle the gullwing bandit, then we should appear to be doing the same. That's a very good point. Okay, we should rest then. Okay, they anchor the boat, and you guys can tie off to it so you don't drift past it. Let's see how your night goes. <laughs> the weather gets significantly worse, mm. so... The barge is mostly one main level with a little covered spot toward the back of it where you could get out of the weather, and that is where all of the crew are trying to pile in for the night. It downpours a couple times. Mm. Canoe sitters, do you come aboard to try to hunker under the thing, or are you just going to tough it out? There's no access to the shore, really, right? You could go to the shore, but you would be sleeping on like a sandbar, probably near some alligators. And because it's raining, you wouldn't guarantee that that would stay dry. I'll pitch a tent on the barge. Okay. Tulane will go on the barge and try to shelter under with everyone else. Are we setting a watch? We should probably have a watch going through the night. Does Kaima not have that settled as part of the boat operation? Kaima can do it. Has people for a watch, no problem. Yeah. Cool. The thieves keep watch. <laughs> hey, we, we don't know they're full on thieves yet. <laughs> that's true. We've got a pretty good idea that's what they are, oh, yeah. though. The lock operators, engineers, keep watch. <laughs> Just before dawn, I'd like to wake up and get back to the canoe. Agreed. Pulane will do the same. I'm trying to sleep in. <laughs> There's a brief moment around three in the morning where the barge does a shift. Like a wave rolls through, mm. but... No one decides to wake you up. You might have been stirred by some boat movement, but it, it remains quiet. It's the Loch Ness Monster. Or Melbourne catching up to people. Do you mean like a sudden surge of water? Because this is a river. It's a river. Oh, no, well, but it's a dam. So, so the dam may have opened and closed again. Maybe. The lock is designed to basically keep the river at a certain level so that boats don't have a problem. If something caused a wave, that it can't be the dam, that's too far away now. Mm. We'd have to be close. Okay. But in the morning, there are several lock operator engineers, wide-eyed awake, staring out over the water. Aw, they're nervous. Have you seen something, or are you anticipating? Mm, I think something bumped the boat. In the night or just now? No, in in the night, a couple hours ago, but it didn't it didn't surface, so I think we're good. What kind of creatures do you have here? 
mostly just gators, piranhas, swamp things. Swamp things? <laughs> Shambling mounds. <laughs> we don't put much stock in legends, so that's that's usually the things we actually see. Do the thorns mutations tend to affect things this far south? No, not usually. I mean, nothing's stopping something from wandering out and coming down here, but I, I don't think that's it. Well, let's keep moving. Are, are the canoes still tied safely and snugly to the... They are. Right. Well, we'll go back to our canoe and send Sadie up ahead. You start heading towards the Gullwing Rapids. Let's see how the weather holds up. The weather clears up, actually. It's downright sunny this morning. The river traffic picks up, and you're making great time. You've round this long, lazy bend. You've been passing little tributaries and things that sort of feed into this constantly, but you do start to see rapids in the distance. Water coming down, churning over rocks, and the river starts to spin up a little bit, and the water quality goes to just mud everywhere. And for the record, I'm constantly re-upping my disguise self. That's fine. You can keep doing that. I can cast it without expending a spell slot. I have found no limitation on it. I can just cast it forever. <laughs> I would like a perception roll from Boulain. Fifteen. Fifteen. Sadie hears a bird call. And what's weird about it is that there's one bird call. It sounds like a distressed bird. And then further down the river, there's another one. And then further down the river, there's another one. Mm. And then off in the swamp, there's another one. It's very unusual. Boulain says to Zerus, they are signaling one another. Good. Do you know about where? With a 15, you have a sense that about two miles upriver... She says two miles. Seems to be. Was the last one? The last one was two miles. Maybe. The chain ended two miles upriver? Yeah, the, the chain seemed to end about two miles upriver and a little back into the swamp. Excellent. That is good information. I'm just imagining us sailing along and suddenly hearing somebody go, Caca! <laughs> Whipperwill! Whipperwill! <laughs> Caca! <laughs> so, you get about two miles downriver. Wait, can I establish something? Are we staying far enough behind the barge to make it seem like the barge is alone? Is that what we were doing, or are we very visible alongside it? I guess I thought we were closer than that, assuming that the trouble would come from the front. Mm. I okay. mean, personally, that's what I was thinking. We're just in the wake of the barge. Right. As we're passing the shore, so when you said two miles, I was imagining two miles away from the river, but it sounds like you're talking about two miles further down the river. It was two miles down the river and then maybe a mile or two away from the river. As we're passing the spot, can I try to see if I see anyone on the shore? Yeah. Give me a perception roll. Nope. That's an 11. Can I do the same from Sadie's view? Sure. It's another 15. There's a little dugout, but there's no one in it. Okay. Someone has set up a little wilderness blind with some vegetation that looks like it would keep the rain off somebody, but there's no one in the blind. Okay. She will point. There is a blind over there. Mm. Are we, like, signaling each other at all? I probably can't see you that well, because otherwise they would know that there was a second thing there. So... I guess you're probably following pretty far, huh? We're going in the wake of the barge, so we're probably okay, okay. just behind the barge, and I don't know yeah. how well you would be able to see us. Okay. So I imagine I can communicate with you, and I am aware that you heard about the bird calls. 
Well, would we be able to communicate without shouting at each other? Because we don't really want to yell. <laughs> That's a good point. Okay. I'll just, I, I know nothing, but I'm keeping my eyes peeled anyway. All right. You get about two miles downriver, and it's still quiet. You get another half mile downriver, and then you see a mist that rolls in from the direction of the rapids and starts to slowly move across the river. It's strange because it seems to be this sphere of mist, 40 foot in radius, about 80 foot diameter. There's just this big sphere of smoky mist just rolls out and it starts moving towards the middle of the river and it looks like it's going to intercept your boat. How wide is the rapids tributary? You can see the entry to the tributary. It looks pretty wide, 80 feet, but it juts in multiple directions pretty rapidly. And you can see some parts of it from the river that look completely impassable. Just more rapids than water, more rocks than river. Can I ready an action? I want to ready an Eldritch Blast for if I see a silver bow. I assume it will be an illusion, but if I see a silver bow, I want to Eldritch Blast. Yeah, I would like to ready an action to cast Hold Person if I see a person holding a silver bow. So Kaima will kneel down on the edge of the dock and pull out two hand axes. And the five dock lock operator engineers produce small crossbows. And the four guards produce four swords. And then it's eerily quiet for a few minutes (laughs) as the barge drifts. And the fog drifts. So I'm also going to maneuver the canoe to the far side, opposite the fog. Okay. Does Sadie see boats moving? She can't see through the fog. Does she see boats moving into the fog or anything like that? She doesn't see anything moving into the fog, but you can give her a disadvantaged perception roll. Eleven. Yep. Okay. She doesn't see anything move in or out of the fog. The edge of the fog gets to the edge of the barge, and then you hear from on the barge, standing on the little dugout that, it's not a dugout, it's like a little barge lean-to where everybody was hiding from the rain earlier. You see a man uh, all of a sudden just there, who was not there before. He has a silver bow and is well over six feet tall, heavily muscled, and has this cape flapping in the breeze. And he's got this gigantic silver bow, and he points it down at the middle of the dock and says, We'll be taking these boxes. Eldritch Blast! (laughs) Hold person. (laughs) Claire, roll your Eldritch Blast. Mandy? He needs to do a wisdom save for the hold person. Wisdom save. I got 11 to hit. I don't think that's going to do it. I have a 15 on the wisdom save. My DC is... 12. Dang. Okay. I'm going to... I'm assuming everything is slowly river-wise going forward? Yes. Okay. I'm going to stop the canoe and work as quickly as I can to maneuver it to the other side of the barge. Claire, what do you roll to hit on your Eldritch Blast? 11. 11. Okay, it does miss. It fires right over him as he ducks down. And then I need an insight roll... From the three of you. Twelve. Oh my god. Zerus, you have advantage. Hmm. Oh, well, okay. Advantage helped. Twenty nat. I'm sorry, insight? Yep. Insight, so twenty. Okay. Creedon, you got a what? I got a twelve. 
Bulane? I got a seven. <laughs> seven. That's one of my skills, too. I rolled a three. Twelve. Creedon, you can quickly determine that this person has military training. Zerus, you know this man. You've met him before. So in Genosh, many years ago when you were training, there was a trainee named Like Frakers. And Like showed up. He was incredibly good with weapons. He knew chess. He knew wines. He knew cheeses. This really cultured dude. Cool. But he never took to the religious element of the training, and no god ever chose him, and he did not end up becoming an officer in any way because he never manifested any kind of divine power. And so as a result, he did maybe one year as a normal grunt in the military and then left. But you know this man. Question for you. We are on the Friker's land. The Friker's family land, so he probably belongs to the Friker's family, and that might explain why he's so pissed off. <laughs> However, before we get that far, Robert, please describe for me the relationship you have, or had, many years ago with like Frikers. Sure. It sounds clearly adversarial to me. The one, he participates in the same game, but he comes at it from a completely different approach to life eschewing the gods and not walking their path when that's clearly what we're meant and designed to do. And so I think as we learned more about each other in the barracks, we grew apart. We became more adversarial than friendly because his path is just wrong. And I think you were able to easily pick up that Like was very jealous of your tie to the gods and how popular that made you around camp hmm. in particular. So, with that, I need initiative, please. <laughs> because people are shooting at him, so. Twelve. Sixteen. Two. Oh. I'm just a boatman. Whatever. <laughs> just a man on a boat. You're in shock. We ran into somebody you know, so that, that slows you down a hair. Roll an initiative for a lot of things all at one time. And Kaima. And lock engineers. Okay, well... Most people's initiative sucks. All right. Zerus, how'd you do? Two. Well, that didn't suck that bad. Creedon. I got a 16. 16. And Mandy. 12. Blaine got a 12. Okay. You hear this almost like alarm rattle through the air. It's, it's like the air is vibrating. And the man with the bow spins around and looks at you. He's going to roll perception. Looks at who? All of you. Mm. He does a 360. Does the fog give us any kind of advantage for being in the canoe? It doesn't because you're on the opposite side of the boat and the fog hasn't rolled over the oh, whole boat okay. yet. Mm. But he doesn't seem to notice you as he looks down and points his bow directly at Creedon. And he says, I think you should reconsider your allegiance to Chester. And then I need you to roll me a wisdom saving throw, Creedon. Ah, oh, that bitch, he's trying to use a suggestion. I was going to do that on him. <laughs> you could always do it back. <laughs> well, I got a 19 plus two, 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 two so 21. 21. A spell <laughs> rolls over your um, conscious, <laughs> and you are aware that you push it away. That's right. Which brings us to Creedon. I'm trying to remember what my patron had told me. Well, I remember the main thing, but about the 
she mentioned that it, they had a weapon. Okay, so yeah, I'm pretty confident that's this is this is the related thing. So first, I want to cast Hex as a bonus action on him. Okay. And I want to make it so that wisdom saving throws are what he has disadvantage on. Okay. And then I want to cast suggestion. Okay. He's going to roll a disadvantaged wisdom saving throw. It's going to be really hard to roll lower than that. Great. He gets a six. Yeah, that's not going to cut it. So I'm going to say I think it actually would be in your best interest to yield. Your best interest to yield. Okay. Boulaine. Has Did Zero say anything like, I know that dude? Yeah, I'll give a mark of recognition, sure. Okay, she's going to say to Zerus, we should try to disable the other canoes that he brought. On it. Which will mean going around into the fog side, I guess. That's exactly what I'm in the middle of doing. Yep, okay. And then she's going to cast Bane on Frikers and Kaima. Okay. And Kaima? Yep. I love it. Is Bane a wisdom saving throw? It is a charisma saving throw. Charisma save. Okay. Oh my gosh, what are you doing? <laughs> Being neutral. I love it. Kaima fails, but the warlock man succeeds. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, if we're going to take out Kaima, now's the time anyway, so this is good. I don't want to take her out. I just want... <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's exactly, that's exactly why you cast that spell on her. I read you loud and clear. <laughs> Wink. I'm trying not to have anybody get killed today. Because I think we need to lay everything out in the open and discuss it. Maybe. Don't make me make you my creature number three. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do it. (laughs) The canoes inside the fog do something. It's foggy. It's hard to tell what they're doing. On the deck, though, Crean, roll me perception, please. Oh, also, once I cast Hex, because that one's concentration, I would have just poofed back into my normal self. I no longer look okay. like a wealthy merchant. My perception was 17. 17. Some grappling hooks have been thrown onto the barge from the direction of the fog. I will shout out that they're trying to board. There's hooks on the... Or I'll just say they're trying to board. All right. Kaima charges, and she's going to do a jump to try to leap up onto even ground with our bandit. Uh, she gets a 22, so she does a, a jump onto a box and a leap across a gap, and she is up there with him. She has to take off a d4 from that. I mean, I probably won't make a difference, but... She will still succeed, even if I remove a d4, but I'm going to have her remove d4s from her attacks as well. Oh, can I also yell to not harm him yet? Because <laughs> that will bust my suggestion. You can absolutely yell that. The four guards that are here to get some payback give you a look. But Kaima and the lock engineers do not seem interested in listening. I should have thought about that bit. <laughs> <laughs> so Kaima with a hand axe misses. Kaima with a second hand axe will connect even with the minus D4. And then before she can throw swing a dagger, something happens. Kaima hits him for six damage, and he is suddenly invisible. It's okay, I have fairy fire. And she swings her left-handed dagger into that space and does not connect with anything. Oh, God, I hope that wasn't an illusion or I wasted a lot of spells. That's why I tried to Eldritch Blast first. And that's going to bring us to the engineers on the deck. They swarm out with crossbows, run over to the grappling hooks, and grab them and throw them off. They should have cut them. Zerus, what you doing? I'm working on maneuvering the canoe from one side of the barge to the other still. I don't know. Whenever that completes, I'll have something new. 
Roll me athletics. I would love to roll you athletics. 20. Jesus. Okay. With a 20, you hammer out, and in a rapid six seconds, you are out around, and you can go into the fog if you choose. Yeah. And into the fog. Roll me perception. Six. Ramming. We're just going to ram a canoe. You bang into a canoe. There are dark figures, roughly shadowy in the fog on the other canoe. And they're like, watch it, dude. And if I can, I'm going to draw my axe, step onto their canoe, and attack them. You have spent a good six seconds rowing. So, next turn. I'll just make a noise like, oh. I'm coming. (laughs) (laughs) They don't seem to be hostile yet. Right. Because they also can't see you. Yep. That brings us to Like. Oh, man, you're putting Like in a difficult position. I bet we are. What's the spelling on that? I want to make a note. Yeah, I wrote them down as L-I-K-E. L-Y-K-E. Oh, there's a Y. Okay. What was the last name? Frikers. F-R-I-C-E-R-S. Okay. I think we're going to do this. Creighton, what's your armor class? Oh, no. 13. Better than me right now. Okie dokie. He gets a minus D4, though. He doesn't. Only kind of Oh, right. He made a save. Shit. Jerk. Sorry, Creighton. I tried. Creighton, a hand materializes around your neck. A knife materializes next to your neck. And he says, now we're all just going to back away slowly, because obviously this is a failure. We yield. You win. Now everybody put your weapons down. (laughs) Ugh. Killing me with my own wording. Now, this is one, we don't know where he is, right? It's just a voice from the darkness, or a voice from the fog. No, he has appeared now. He's visible again. He is immediately behind Creedon, although he looks different now. Mm. The illusion has fallen away. He still has a silver bow, which is actually just strung across his back now. But his fancy-ass armor is all gone, and he looks like a swamp man <laughs> who lives in the swamp. <laughs> like a swampy bumpkin. Creedon, it is your turn. I don't want to drop my wand. <laughs> Oh, God, what can I do to attempt to get out of this? So I'm ba- am I grappled? You can roll me insight real quick. You're not grappled. Okay. No. Basically, this person has a held action. They uh. will stab you critically mm. if you cause them to stab you critically. Oh, God, my insight was 11 insight, I think. Yes, 11, 11 insight. insight. You don't think Kaima is going to drop her weapons. You think she's coming for him. Hmm. The rest of the barge seems to have stopped. You are an acceptable sacrifice for solving this problem as far as Kaima is concerned. <laughs> so you may choose with that knowledge. Oh, uh, I, mm, mm, uh, I... I'm going to make myself look extremely scary. And any creature in a ten-foot tube has to make a wisdom saving throw or be charmed or, or be frightened by me. Oh, shit. Until the end of my next turn. Okay. And he is hexed with disadvantage on the wisdom save. Yeah, he's going to fail that. Let me figure out what the rest of these lock engineers do. Nicely done. (laughs) Okay. I was given directions. The knife leaves your throat. He no longer has his held action. He panicked, but it's not his turn, so he's not running. The lock engineers that are around you and the guards are keeping their distance, a few of them look panicked (laughs) all of a sudden. And that's going to bring us to Boulain. All right. I can see him clearly. 
He is very visible. He has basically taken a half step back from Creedon and appears to be holding a knife. I'm trying to decide whether casting fairy fire to make everybody very, vi- every, like the canoe people visible or whether to attack him. Wait, we moved on from me before I got to move. I just want to like move away a oh, little bit. <laughs> I'm sorry. You may also move. Yes. Where are you going? I just want to move. Like, I don't want to be within five feet of him. Done. You step out of knife range. Yeah, I step out of stabbing range. My intention is to murder canoe people, so I would not worry about putting spells on them. Okay, Lulaine is going to stand up in the boat, and she is going to touch the raven tattoo at her chest, and she's going to cast Guiding Bolt on Frikers. Okay. Oh, I had to roll the hit on that, don't I? <laughs> that is a 14. All right, you connect with him. Roll your damage. Nine damage. Radiant damage. Okay. You hit him. He <laughs> recoils visibly. And now the baned Kaima gets advantage on her next attack. <laughs> Before that happens, the guys in the canoe are like, oh, God, they're putting up a full resistance. This, every, all right, back away, back away. And the canoes start to shift and wobble. You're still right there with them, but they are actively rowing now. I'm going to follow them. Okay. You can choose to follow them or jump onto one of their right. canoes, but just so you know, right. this is what's happening. Yep. Kaima leaps off the top and charges down at him and unleashes a barrage of stabs. Well, hacks with her axe. She will miss. She will miss. She will miss. Bummer. <laughs> and that's going to bring us to the engineers who <laughs> spin around and open fire. Well, not all of them, only about three, because two of them are panicked and fleeing for their lives. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> One of them fires a crossbow and succeeds at hitting like for four damage. It's a little hand crossbow. And the four guards, two of which are not panicked, charge like and attempt to tackle him. Nice. So guard one rolls athletics, like rolls acrobatics. Guard one grabs him. Guard two tries to pull him down to the ground. And oh, wow. Okay. He goes down to the ground. There are two guys that just dogpiled him in the middle of the top of this dock. Zerus, what you doing? I'm actually going to try to follow the canoes, but then outpace them and get out of the fog first. Okay, roll me athletics. That's a seven. Okay, you're following them. You were positioning to jump when they started rowing, and so you had to kind of get repositioned, but you're not able to get in front of them this round. You are still in the fog. Like... Well, pinned to the floor, casts a spell. God, I need to get that bow away from him. Yeah. Yeah. There's a poofing noise, and one of the guards is going to desperately try to hold on, see if he can do it. You got this guard. He can. One guard and like, snap, disappear. <sighs> Leaving one guard who immediately just falls onto the boards of the barge and looks very confused. This guy's so slippery. <laughs> Creedon. I actually need to roll. Hold on. The canoes have moved <laughs> from where they were supposed to be. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Something that lets us see where everything <laughs> you is. You just jump in the water. You hear a big splash of water, Zerus. Oh, shit. Right next to you. Oh, shit. As two men slam into the water in the middle of the fog, and you hear like, blah, blah.
and that is our show for today. Our heroes seem to have this well in hand. <laughs> oh, this is going to be good. Special thanks to Todd Ferguson of My Pet Machine for our tunes, Julie at Elaborate Flight of Fancy for our logo, and Troy Christensen, the original author of The Town of Hylock in Dungeons & Dragons lore. Don't forget to give us a rating and review. Will our heroes get wet in their pursuit of the Gullwing Bandit? My money is on yes. Next time on Carrots and Suffering, Indian Odyssey.